I want to unpack in this session a little bit. Um, I, I kind of want to jump off of what we were sharing before and look a little bit um, at team and the heart of a team person. In Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 to 12, this is the famous wedding verse, but it has so much more um, application than just for weddings. It says this, two, pe- two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. This is in the NLT I'm reading from. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. In every area of the kingdom, in every area of church, we have to be constantly thinking growth and multiplication. Mm. Mm. Who am I reaching out to? Who am I investing into? How do I multiply myself? As followers of Jesus, I think we have to be growers, not just maintainers. And I felt like, um, as I was preparing for this time, I felt like God say to... uh, uh, to almost say prophetically, don't forget the privilege. You know, there's something that happens when something's starting out. There's, there's an excitement and a privilege to be a part of what God's doing. And I, I don't know why. I think maybe because people are, you know, often are aiming at the wrong target or they're thinking more you know, church than kingdom or whatever it is, a myriad of reasons. Often at some point, we begin to forget the privilege and begin to look at the cost. I'm sick of setting up. It's early mornings. It's hard work, caring for these people. You know, God keeps bringing all these people and we've got to feed them all the time. We've got more and more coffee. And you know, at some point, often there's a, there's a switch in our thinking from what a privilege to serve these people and to make food and to set up for them and see people encounter Jesus to like, oh, I've got to set up for them. We've got to make food for them. And they're eating all the food and they just leave a mess. And there's something that can change in our heart. I feel like God said, don't forget the privilege. Don't forget the privilege of serving. All of that we do is serving him, but don't forget the privilege of ministering to people. Don't forget the privilege of seeing people come and encounter Jesus, whether they only ever come once or whether they come for the next 20 years. My prayer for you as a church, for Redemption Hills Church, is that in 25 years time, you guys will still be celebrating the privilege of making disciples and investing into people. And in a hundred years time, they'll look back and go, you know, they'll they'll look at the the actual photos. You know, know, we look back at black and white photos and we go, oh, look at those time. They'll look at actual photos rather than holograms or whatever and be like, these are the people that planted Redemption Hills Church back in... (laughs) Back in the early 2000s, and it's, you know, 21, 10, and, you know, people are floating in on the hoverboards or whatever. Yeah. Don't forget the privilege. Don't let it just be a new thing. Let it be a God thing. Let it be an ongoing thing. We have to constantly be thinking multiplication and growth. So often, we are the limit to, to what God can add and what God can do. God's not the limit. We like to, you know, we, we like to over-spiritualize and go, well, you know, God's just, you know, God's just working in us now. He's supposed to really, he wants to just deepen us. He's not bringing people in anymore because he just wants to deepen us. No, it's because we've stopped allowing room for people to come in. 
We've stopped investing into people. We've stopped you know, expecting growth and multiplication. And so it stops. We have to be growers, not just maintainers. It's impossible to effectively be growers without team. It's impossible to do it. We want to develop and release team at every level, not, but not just to get the job done. See, if we don't have a heart to see others grow and develop, we can go through the motions, but ultimately we can talk team. We can say that we, we, we are about team, but if our heart isn't like we talked in the first session to invest into others and to see them grow and develop, ultimately we revert to individualism and just getting the job done. No matter how much we talk about team. In my time of being involved in, in church and in leadership, I've observed that one of the things that people and leaders often struggle with is team. This concept of, uh, or this idea of team. More specifically, being a team player. Developing team, working in team. In fact, I, I think it's one of the biggest causes of church splits and failed church plants. Because... There's a difference between being on somebody's team and having a team heart. If we don't have a heart to see others grow and develop, we revert to individualism. There's a, 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 you can be an individual on a team. You can actually have the heart of an individualist and be a part of a big team. but you can't effectively develop or lead a team as an individualist. You can't invest into others and release them if you have a, the heart of an individualist and not the heart of a team player. See, um, it, team is right through the, the Bible. I want to give you a really quick overview because I don't want to get stuck on this. But um, you know, in family, if we don't function as team, the family fractures. Everyone goes their own way. In business, if we don't develop team, we end up doing it all ourselves. And the business can never become more productive. In, the, in a sense, it dies with us. In church, if we don't develop team, we miss the very point of discipleship and leadership. God is about team. God is team in himself, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. People, people struggle with that concept that, because they say one plus one plus one doesn't equal one. It equals three. But one times one times one equals one. God is three in one. I mean, even, you know, it, it's mathematically correct. You just got to change it from a plus to a times. It's just the angle. Marriage is an amazing picture of team. Um, God's pattern for church leadership is in team. It's plurality, plurality of elders and deacons and saints. It's all of us. It's ministering together. When we look at the life of Jesus, he ministered in team. He called and developed a team of disciples. And the people that God chooses for team look different than the people that we think for team. Just, that's, that one's just out there for free. That was just an aside. That could be a whole, that's a whole nother preach about the people that Jesus chose to be on his team. I want to take the, take the rest of our time this morning and look at some of the things required for us to be team people. Being a team person, I think, firstly, requires a heart attitude that wants to involve other people and serve other people so that they grow and develop not just so that we have less work to do or we look good. I know that's partly the same as what we started out with, but it's a heart attitude thing that I want to involve people so that they can be released to what God's called them to, not just so that I don't have to do as much work. Because often, team takes more work. 
All of, uh, all of uh, Christianity is about people. Amen? You still there? All of Christianity is about people. Jesus is people-focused. Jesus died for people. It seems obvious. I mean, yeah, it seems like an obvious point to make, but it's not that obvious because often we become program-focused or sound-focused or building-focused or job-focused or outcome-focused, and we forget that this is all about people, all of the serving, all of the stuff, everything we do ultimately is about Jesus and people. Setting out chairs with no people is pointless. But if we're setting out chairs for people to sit in, then we wanna do it well, we want to, to do it to the best of our ability. We don't just wanna throw some chairs out there and hopefully people will just land in them. No, we set out neat rows that are, that are in straight lines and Ephesians 4 verse 12, the, when we talked about this, the gifts of God are given to equip the saints. It's all about people. Saints aren't some random thought. They're us. Our, our heart when we come together should always be, how can I serve and release everyone to what God's called them to? Not how do I get, uh, how do I get a big enough gathering so that I look good, but how do I release people to what God's called them to? How can I be a blessing to people? If we don't have a heart to see others grow and develop, we can go through all the motions, but ultimately we revert to individualism. I think there's a whole lot of skills that are required to be a team player, but um, I think most of the skills are required, most of the things that when we think about it are people skills. The most important things are not how to manage or how to roster or how to put people into flows, but it's how to interact. Look at the life of Jesus. He interacted with people. He interacted with people that he shouldn't have interacted with. You know, he touched the leper. The leper shouldn't have even been there. I mean, imagine this guy that's coming in. People are probably freaking out. And Jesus didn't freak out and run away. He went to him and he, he touched him and he healed him. He interacted with the prostitutes. He interacted with the tax collectors. He interacted with the sinners and the religious people got upset that he was interacting with people that needed him. That can happen subtly in the church, especially when things are growing and going well and it looks successful. And we begin to get upset that people are interacting with people that are different than us. People that, that, that kind of press our comfort zones a little bit. But Jesus, that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was about people. I think the, many, the, the reason many of us struggle to work in team is that either we haven't seen team function well, or we've been hurt in the past, or thirdly, it's just easier to do it ourselves. You, you probably fall somewhere in those three. You either haven't seen team go well, you've been hurt by team in the past, or you, it's just actually just easier to do it yourself. We have a, 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 a guy that runs our multimedia, and he's amazing at it. He's very good at doing the multimedia. He does lots of stuff. And um, <laughs> we were hosting our, our Australia-wide equip. You know, I don't know, 350 people coming in, and he was organizing all these different speakers and multimedia. And I said to him, um, can you show some of the other guys how to do it? And, he, and this was his response, and it terrified me. He said, I could show them, but it would take me as long as to just do it. So he just did it. And I went, 
you miss the point because yes, it will take you just as long, but when you're done, there's two of you that can do it. And then there's four, like, if you do it yourself, it will always be you doing it. And the problem is this, when you can't do it, there's nobody else to do it. If you get sick, there's nobody else to do it. If you get called away, there's nobody else to do it. So often our response is, it's just easy to do it myself, but what we're, that's the heart of individualism. It's a, it's a good heart to want to serve, but we're not actually seeing the big picture of how do I multiply so that God can continue to work through us, other people can use their gifts, and the kingdom can advance, and it's not based upon me. Some of it might be born out of insecurity, that I want my place and I need to have a job because I feel validated by my job and my position rather than by Jesus alone. But some of it is just based out of a misconception of time. It'll take too long to teach somebody else. It will take long and they won't do it right. And, you know, and they'll do it and they'll do it a way that you don't want them to do it or you don't like it that way and that's okay. Or they'll mess up. They'll do it wrong. That's also okay. You have to teach them but that's what team is about. Ultimately, team is more about people's skills than doing the right, the, the task right. I read a lot when I was, um, when I was thinking about this, um, just in the business world, in a corporate setting, um, talking about hiring. And often, the person who, who demonstrates better uh, interpersonal skills is more likely to get the job than the person who has better technical skills. Because you can teach somebody to do the job, but it's really hard if people are doing the job but really bugging everyone else. You hire somebody into a team of 10 people, and they're great at doing the job, but the other nine people hate them. That's a difficult situation in a business. But you can teach somebody to be better at the job. If everyone gets along, it's much better. It's much better. <laughs> I want to invite my lovely wife, Elodie, to come up. You're gonna, we're going to go on the, um, <coughs> the Elodie train for a little while. Hello. This is Elodie. We're going to share the... Hello. Gonna <laughs> <coughs> Elodie's been out with the kids. Um, we're going to share just talking about some of the, um, the heart of team. And the reason that I want her to come up is not just because she is beautiful and amazing. Um, she is. But she's actually better at team than I am, which is why I'd like her to, to come up and be part of this. So, Did you hear that? <laughs> she is, though. This will be recorded, yep. Thank you. Thank you can you. play this everywhere. Just cut that clip, put it online. It's going to be my ringtone when he rings. She's actually better at this than I am. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. So, um, Ellen and I lead together, and we, you know, we spend a lot of our time um, investing into church. Um, and a couple of years ago, we had someone else leading our kids' ministry. Um, and they were doing a good job of it, but there was just the, the, the thing I always, I constantly heard was, um, you know, we need more people, we need more people, we need more people. And no matter what, how I sat with him and tried to kind of give him handles, there was never any more people. And ultimately, they decided, I think, in God, like it's, not, it's time not to lead that anymore. And we handed it over to Elodie. And in the space of about three months, she grew the team of, uh, in our kids' ministry from 10 helpers to about 45 helpers. So she grew it by 450% in about three months. And, and I looked at it and went, 
Why can't I do that? Because um, he leads a music team and people actually have to play an instrument. They just have to <laughs> convince children that they, people that they love children. That's, that's true. <laughs> so part of it is I think Elodie has, a, has an amazing ability to convince people that they want to do something that they actually don't want to do and, and to think that they're going to love it. Um, so she's like, you're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. And then people suddenly are like, they're, they're, they're there with the kids and they're going, how did I get here? And she's like, have fun. Um, but she understands this thing of team. And I, you know, I think a lot of it is, is not just an ability to get people involved, but there's some heart attitudes of a team person. So I want to say, we're going to kind of just share some of these things and bounce off each other. I want to take the, per, the first point. And I think the first thing of the first um, skill or people skill to be a team person, not an, individual, not an individualist, is the ability to relate to others. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 23, it says, uh, Paul writes, I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. One of the things I found in church is that, what verse was it? 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22 and 23. We can find similar areas of interest. I've made it my personal like, life, life endeavor to find as many areas of similar interest with as many people as possible. So I just keep asking them what they're interested in, and then I'll, just, I'll be interested in it too. You're interested in fishing? <laughs> I'll be interested in fishing. Great. You are interested in footy? Over the I'll... years, this has cost us a lot of money. <laughs> to buy all the gear for all the different interests. Like so often, we kind of talk to somebody, and if they're not interested in the one thing that I think I'm interested in, then that's it. And then therefore, we have no like, way of building team with them. But I'm like, cool, Tim, you're interested in music? I'm interested in music. Let's talk about music. Let's find something about music. Elodie's dad is, a fish, is into fishing, and when we started dating... I, was, I had only ever fished once in my life with my dad, and he tied a rock to the end of the line because he didn't actually want to have to deal with a live fish if I caught it. Scarred me for a long time. So I was like, nah. Yeah. I said to her dad, I'm not really, I'm not really um, into fishing. And the first time we went out, we caught 16 whiting. And I was like, I'm into fishing, I love fishing. And now we go fishing together. So it's finding an ability to relate to people. Um, sometimes being able to relate to others simply means that you're willing to agree or disagree with mutual respect. Think about that for a second. Um, you can take this point. Oh, that, I was going to add to that point. Oh, go for it. You add, you add away. We're, we're not going to get through all the points that we have because um, that's what happens oh, when we sorry. share. Well, it's I'll good. try to be quiet and not no, say too No, much. no, don't. No, be loud. You're here for Just in any sort of team, an ability, it, on, on a team, no matter what it is, an ability to relate to others too can be like, think how they think. So like from, say you're, you're someone who's involved in like welcoming, think from the moment you step out of your car, how is a kid going to feel, how's the elderly going to feel and how is a middle-aged person going to feel as they come from where they've come to get into where we are to make them experience Jesus in a way that's great for them. So I think that's something too, like that's just a practical mm. key that in whatever your team is, how can you um, effectively make this a great thing for all these different range of people? That's all. Okay, my second point. His second point that I get to share with you is strong communication skills. This is not my strength. I'm terrible, actually. It's all in my head. No, uh, she's pretty good. <laughs> I have had to learn this skill. It's not my natural skill. Yeah, that's definitely not my... Sorry, so I don't know what I'm saying here. <laughs> so, you are good at it. Well, I think that in any team that you, people have to know the heart of why you're doing it. 
And when they have the heart of why this is important and then Jesus speaks to them about why they're involved in it, then it's like easy because they've got a passion for it and they love it. But if you can share your heart, why I'm excited about kids is, blah, I won't start because you could be here all day. But um, Tell them, give them a little spiel. No, no, so, no. So if, so, uh, I'm going to ask, because I don't if, know right now. If you're trying going. to get one of these, <laughs> if you're trying to get one of these lovely people sitting here this morning to join your kids' team at Melbourne Lights Church. You want my spiel? Yes. If you're trying to get Tim, <laughs> we're, we're picking on Tim this morning. If you're trying to get Tim to join your kids' team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tim, you have an incredible heart for worship. And we'd really love our kids to experience worship like with the heart that you have. And what you get to impart into them is your heart for worship. And I was wondering if one Sunday in the next month, could you come in and just do a couple of songs with our kids? Like something that they can move and groove to and that would be the... (laughs) And then Tim suddenly finds himself standing in front of a room of 40 kids going, how did I get here? Yeah. Well, and then Christy obviously has a great gift for making things beautiful because that was a very sexy spread out there today. So then for Christy, that's her thing, isn't it? Like that's a natural gift for her. So Christy, our kids area needs like some love. You know, it needs, I'm, that's not my thing. Like I can't make things beautiful like you can. Could you come in and use your creative mind to just bring some life and some fun and make it simple because we've got to set it up and pack it up every week. Yeah. Is that all right? So it's things amazing. like that, you know, like communicate the heart of why you want them involved <laughs> in what, like, because you don't want people to just come and say, there's been some people, sweet Alex, Alex will do anything. Alex is on my kids' team and the kids love him, but Alex is just on because I'm like, Alex, you're good at everything. Can you just come up and be passionate with the kids? And he'll just do it and he's great fun. And that's totally fine because we make it simple for Alex. Alex doesn't have to prepare anything. He just (laughs) turns up and he just does whatever you ask him to do, which is super cool. And that is his gift. Alex can do anything you ask him to do. I think he's been on every roster in the church over the four years that he's been with us. And there's probably maybe we'll make some more rosters for him to be a part of as well. So, But I think the, the intention for whatever you communicate with people is a heart as to why we do it. Yeah. And, and be totally fine with people saying no. Like, people definitely say no to me. Like, I actually don't enjoy my own kids, so I don't want to help anyone else's. And that's fine. That's you not know? her personally. That's, yeah, people do say that. I did. I did. I did ask pretty much everyone she in the church. She asked the whole church. But you've got to ask in a way that they don't feel bad saying no, but they feel really good about saying yes. <laughs> but, yeah, okay. That, yeah. We have to be intentional about how we communicate. So it's not just... Hey, um, we need kids helpers. One of the worst things you can do is stand up, um, especially as the church is, grows, stand up in front of the church and go, we really need people to help with kids because we don't have enough people and kids are so hard and uh, if we don't have any more kids. Pe- like, and everyone's like, I'm not, yeah, nope, not doing that. I'm not going to do it. And you're like first time visitor um, who's unsaved and you know, has five kids that they just you know, don't want to deal with is like, I don't, this isn't the place for me. So we have to be intentional about how we communicate. And if you want to grow in your communication, it's, this is hard, but it's true. It's, good to, it's helpful to ask someone how you come across when you communicate. Yeah. So we all think we communicate really well. But ask somebody how you come across, because maybe you come across really condescending. You don't mean it, but maybe you do. So everyone just feels judged by you all the time. So ask somebody that, who loves you. You know, who's going to share the truth in love 
But how do I come across when I communicate? I've shared this multiple times with, with different teams in our church. And I've had people go, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're nodding and saying amen to me. And I'm like, please do it. Please do it. Please do it. And then they're nodding and saying amen and they don't do it. So it's helpful to do it because that's how we actually grow. Um, another thing about, about being a team person and not an individualist is having patience with others. Ability to be patient with others and keep a level head in stressful situations. Proverbs 14, 29 says, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Hmm. It's hard to work with people. Proverbs 14, 29. So often, we want people to be patient with us but we're not willing to be patient with others. We want people to give us time to grow. I'm working through stuff. And so people give us all the time and then we don't extend it. It's like the, like the man who was forgiven much, but he doesn't forgive. People are patient with us. They give us time to grow, they give us time to, to come through and then we're not patient with others. It's the heart of individualism rather than being a, the heart of a team person. Picking which points to I skip. I was just saying, no, what, what points you're saying to what, what I should add to what. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Sorry. When, when you have team, um, how, how do you work with so many different people and still be patient? I think that this, this isn't my... Um, we've all got a different gift and a different slant and we bring that. And I think that you've got to see what other people's gift is. On, on our team, the women on our team... The other women are much better with people and they are very much, they want to know that you've been ministered to by God but at the end of a meeting. I am not that gift. I am, has all the stuff been done? Did it look good? And is it all neat once everyone's gone? Whether the people come or go, that's so, that's terrible and I know that's like what we should and that's his whole <laughs> first point. But I have to go, like, that is, the, I find myself then getting annoyed at these people that are all about the people because they're not doing the stuff that is what I see needs to be done. But having patience with people is seeing, you know, like actually what they're bringing is a gift, which what they have is the whole point we've come together. What I do just makes it easy for people to come in, but what they do is why we're here. So thank you, Jesus, for them. If everyone was like me, that would be terrible. And that's having patience with others. It's seeing the gift that God has in them and also knowing they may have had the week from terribleness. And I just need to be okay with that and love them. And if they've turned up half an hour late for something that we were on a team to do together, it just like make sure they're all right. I, I will Absolutely go in and best. be like, we need to do this, this, this and this. And then I watched someone one day. I said to a friend of mine, oh, could you just, I was feeding my child in the parents' room, could you just go and tell her this, this, this and this? And I watched her from the TV and she went up and she talked to them and she was like, how are you going? How's your week been? And I was like, just get to the point. And then I saw this beautiful moment and I thought, oh, Jesus, please make me more like that. Because all I would have gone was, <laughs> this is what we need to do. Can you do this? And the poor woman would never have had their day. Prayed for one another. It was a beautiful moment. And I'm yes. <laughs> so I think that's definitely key is seeing that we all bring a different part of the gift and we all have different life experiences and we need to value that in one another because that's what makes the body beautiful. It's true. One of the hard things with team is the ability to trust other people, especially when they're gifted differently to you and trust that their gift you know, is needed, recognizing it, like Elodie said, and, but also just to, to trust in general um, because often we've been let down. And it's such a vital thing. We, can't, we actually can't be team yeah. together. We can't 
uh, operate with other people if we don't trust them. Mm. And so many of us um, find it hard because we've been let down or hurt by people. And so, you know, we, we stop trusting people and then we stop doing team. And we, you know, often it becomes, we become inward focused. Um, and that might be one of the reasons why things stop growing, because we become inward rather than investing in people, like I said before, even though they've let us down and hurt us and left and whatever. Mm. And team isn't like, it's not, I, I am practical, so I taught rosters and teams and serving, but to be a part of Redemption Hills Church, you're all a team. You're yeah. all here to see people discipled and fall in love with Jesus. And every one of you has a different role to play in that. Whether you're a part on a t- of a team that serves on a Sunday, you all need one another because you're all going to reach different people and that person might need someone else in this church to connect with them on a level that you can't. And that's a beautiful thing as well and to see that in one another. Mm. So don't listen to this thinking about like, oh, but I don't serve on this team or that team. Just like we are all a part of a team together and we all bring a different part of that. Yes. It's not like Tim and Russ are going to be like the elders leading the church. It's not about their gift. Everyone has a different gift and their gifts are different to one another and that's the beauty of team. But what we all bring and we all need to have patience for everyone and that's where the devil brings disunity because he doesn't want you to work together as a team because this thing together is the most powerful thing in the world. But if he can bring division between you as a body, then he's had his way and that's wonderful. Disunity within the church is a useless thing in the kingdom. But if you guys (laughs) are unity together, working together, this... Watch out, Launceston. (laughs) I heard someone uh, talk once about um, just using an Old Testament image of different giftings of um, prophet, priest, and king. And kingly people tend to be people who um, are like like Elodie. They are very focused on the stuff. The chairs need to be straight, the, the stuff needs to be set out, the lights need to be on, the temperature needs to be right. We're creating an environment, we're creating something that people are going to come into. But, but the problem is, we need that, but kingly people probably don't actually really care whether anyone ever comes. <laughs> as long as the chairs are straight, the stuff looks good, everything works well, doesn't matter if there's any people there. Then you have um, the prophet, who is very much gifted toward um, toward the presence of God. The only thing that matters is that we encounter the presence of God. It doesn't matter whether there's any chairs, it doesn't matter whether the lights are on, it doesn't matter whether anything's set up. As long as we encounter the presence of God, that's the point. <laughs> See, there's Mary right there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and the problem is, if you only have, the, only have prophet-gifted people, there's never any chairs set up because they don't even know where the chairs are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then you have um, the uh, priestly people who are all about people. It doesn't matter whether we have the stuff. It doesn't matter whether we have the presence. As long as people feel cared for and loved, that's all that matters. Look, you see, you're all see? Like to you're your like, people. Yes. I was in tears when I heard this. I was like, she, oh my She gosh, laughed my, out loud so, so loud that the whole church laughed. She was like, oh. <laughs> The problem is this. I suddenly realized why everyone else was there. <laughs> <laughs> The problem is, if we don't recognize that, we get frustrated with people that aren't gifted like us. Yeah. So, like, the, the, it's, wh- why don't they ever straighten out the chair? You know, like, they walked by and they hit the chair and the chair is now like that, and they just kept going. I'm offended by them. It's probably because you're gifted in a kingly sort of way. 
<laughs> and you, you care about the chair, but that person didn't even know the chair. Why did they step over the piece of rubbish? Because they're probably more prophet or priest than king, and they didn't even know there was rubbish there. But if you see it, you go get it. That's your gift. And the kingly people who are like Elodie go, why, why are they not doing something? And they're just praying for people all the time. He says this, but he's kingly too, because our youth thought it was really funny the other Friday night to turn every chair in the church upside down so that when Around. he got there on Sunday morning, he was like, <laughs> I literally had a meltdown. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and before anyone else got there, I turned them all back around. Yeah, it was funny. But you know, you get all worked up, like, you know, like, like we have stuff to do. We've got to pack away the chairs and we've got to get everything out of here because we've got to pack it up tonight before we set it up again tomorrow. Things got to get turned around. And why are they still praying for people? Don't they know we have stuff to do? And then they finished praying and they just left. They still didn't help. Alex and Yvette are totally thinking about the people in our church that are like this. <laughs> Alex is on lockup, and there's the people in the auditorium that are praying three hours after the service and he's sitting there like, still getting for the spirit. he's packed everything up, the church is ready to go for the next the Sunday. Meanwhile, people are getting delivered, the Lord's come, yeah. people are being ministered to, it's yeah. beautiful, but someone still needs to lock the door. <laughs> So when you understand that, and you guys are all laughing because you're thinking of yourself and the other people here, then you realize you need each other. Like if you're, if you're, um, if you're prophet gifted and you're good at ministering to people and releasing the presence of God, do that. But don't get frustrated at the people who are trying to straighten the chairs out because you need them as well. And if you're straightening the chairs out, don't get frustrated at the person who falls over into the chairs and knocks them all out of the way. That's fine. Yeah. And don't get frustrated at the person who wants to, to sit with somebody and just hear their heart and just really care for them. And we all need each other. And that's the point of team. As soon as we, as soon as we think individual and it's just about my gift and my thing, we start to get frustrated with each other. Yeah. We get on each other's nerves. We start to think, oh, Tim hates me. And, you know, well, maybe we're just gifted a little bit differently. And we actually need each other. I, I was talking to, a, to a, an eldership team. Um, at, a, at a church, and they wanted to bring on a new elder. And these people are 100% um, like prophet gifted. I mean, they are all about the presence of God and prophesying. And one of the guys was really struggling with this thing of how can we release them as elders because they don't do anything practical. And it was this, this very point of you're thinking through your lens, not through actually what they bring is something that you don't bring. Yeah. Therefore, you need them even more than you think you need them. Sorry, it's not just, this is my latest revelation. It's not like even an Old Testament thing, you know, the prophet, the priest, and the king. But the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and the Son all have a different role to play. They all do mm. something different. And mm. that's like from the very beginning, there has been like team. And that's, yes. ugh. That was a little bit of a moment for me because I was like, oh, church, it's such a good new idea, isn't it? It's all together like it came with the New Testament. But actually, community. God's been about community from the very beginning. He himself is community. Like, we need one another. That's why the enemy's greatest weapon is to rip us apart because, like, mm. if we're in his image. We need one another. To be team people, we have to be interested in each other. We need to honor each other, but we have to be flexible. We have to be flexible because we are dealing with people. There's no place, as we were talking about um, uh, last session, about um, 
that one of the marks of insecurity is control. There's no place in team for the control freak. Because all they do is destroy team. If everything... (laughs) 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 Say, Jesus help me, Jesus help me. If everything has to be done my way, and I've been preaching to myself right now, then I'm not developing team, I'm developing robots. So the, 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 the challenge in this as a, as a more kingly gifted person is to be flexible and help communicate the heart of why we want something done a certain way and then let it go. Yeah. So we want excellence. We, 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 we want things to be done well, but you can add your flavor. Why do we want things to be done well? Because we want to reflect a creative God who does things well. He created the world well. He didn't, he didn't, um, yeah, yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, we, w- we want to give our best for Jesus. And so go for it. I say to our team leaders when we, when we have new people lead a team, you can change anything you want. But before you change, you need to know why it was done that way in the first place. So go ask somebody. If you want to paint the walls a different color, we have our own building, you can paint the walls a different color. But find out why they were painted that color in the first place because there might be a reason. Maybe there isn't, maybe there was. Find out why we don't, if you want to move the way we set up the chairs, move the way we set up the chairs, but find out why we set them up this way in the first place. Maybe it's because we can get more chairs in. Maybe it's because there's a reason we don't have a middle aisle, or maybe there isn't. So it's that thing of remaining flexible. You, you've got you to communicate the heart of it and then let it go. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> He's just looking at me like, We have to be flexible in how people do things, and we have to be flexible in our approach with people. One situation might require a rebuke, and another situation might require a hug. And it might be the same thing. Sometimes it's actually, you know, like, sometimes... That's what's really hard about teaming with people, and because other people are watching. And if we, if we don't deal with this thing of identity... People watch and they go, I did that and you rebuked me. They did that and you hugged them and celebrated them. You know, and the insecurity thing comes up again. So we got to help people understand the identity within team because, you know, they're, they're, they're getting insecure that why was I rebuked? You must hate me. It's like, no, no, you don't know the backstory with this person. If I rebuke them, they'll never set foot in church again. They actually just need a hug. And yeah, they know they blew it. They rebuked themselves enough already. How do you stay, um, how do you stay flexible with people? Because you've got to, you got, Elodie's very flexible and I'm not so, I'm not as flexible. I like to have all the rosters done ahead of time and know exactly who's going to be there. And if somebody changes, I want them to let me know with lots of notice and then I want to put somebody else in. If somebody changes on Elodie's team, she doesn't even replace them until the Sunday morning. She'll just be like, all right, you can do kids this morning, can't you? And just pulls them in on the morning. So how do you like stay flexible and still like still do team? <laughs> do, you do, it, do you smile a lot? I think you have to enjoy it too. Like there's, there's chores in the church and there's passions in the church. 
The kids, I get to do the kids now, and to be honest, I have wanted to do it for forever. We started leading the church and I had to stop doing kids because we had so many other chores that needed to be done, but kids is my passion. So when it's your passion, I think it's easier to be flexible um, because you can't, couldn't understand why no one would, like, your passion rubs off on them and then you'd like, of course you'd want to do kids, it's amazing. Like, it's the biggest <laughs> gift you ever give to a kid is to tell them about Jesus and why they're here and it's amazing. That's like, oh. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I think I, I just am more flexible as a person, to be honest, darling. So find someone, <laughs> <laughs> marry someone flexible if you're not. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, um, I, don't, I don't I think that's just loving people, isn't it? And realising that you're not here for the task. You're here for the people. You're here for Jesus and to love yeah. the people. So if this is all right, then this works out in the end too. So yeah. I think trusting that he's building his church and... It'll happen. It all works out. Yeah. I throw out one or two more points, and then um, I'd love us to respond. I just want to honour you guys' time as well. I think uh, we've got like 20 points, and we've only done three or four, but that's fine. Um, you hopefully, you're getting something. That. Then they don't know you haven't finished. You don't no, no, it's fine maybe. because uh, that, there's there's an unlimited amount of points about team. You could literally like you know have 100 <laughs> points on team. Um, so I talk about honesty. You know, that saying honesty is the best policy. Um, it's it's not only true; it's it's essential. In team, you have to be honest. Once honesty is lost, it's impossible to, re- to regain. People, I think, want to work with people they can trust. And so, you know, from the very simplest things, if you can't be there for a reason, just be honest about why. Um, you know, if, you, if, you're, if, you, if something has to change, be honest about why. It's the, best, it's the foundation of any relationship and ultimately, Working in team with people is about relationships. We, um, early on, when we started leading the church and my parents handed over to us, and we were only 26 when we started leading uh, Melbourne Lights, and we thought we knew everything. Because at 26, you know everything. And we were going to lead the church. So, you know, we were, we were into it. And we thought the best thing to do would be to start another campus. And we did. <laughs> we started a second campus, and there was a bunch of people that came, and it was like 45 minutes away, the problem was things didn't quite work out like, to like, the ultimate way we thought they would work out. And the people that were going to move down there to lead it didn't move down there and they pulled out and it just became like, and at, at some point I thought, this isn't working, we need to close this down. And so I thought, well, I, we have to just be honest. So I got up in front of the church after talking with the leaders and said, this isn't working, we need to close it down. Thinking that people would be devastated. They put all this effort in and like, you know, we've, we've been going and there's people coming and, and the total opposite was true. People just came up and went, I can't believe you were, you're just honest about it. Thank you for your honesty. Like, you know, it's sad that it's not going to keep going, but it's better that, you, you know, at least you were open and honest about it. And people joined the church on the Sunday that we said we're closing down the other side. I thought, this is, this is strange. This is odd. I learned something in that moment. They were also thinking, oh, we don't have to set up and pack up two churches on Sunday. <laughs> It would be like, yeah, we were still setting up. It would be like you guys packing all this stuff down then just going somewhere else on a night and setting it all up and doing it again. Yeah. Um, but we were that, young and very energetic. Yeah. <laughs> but it was that thing of just being honest about why. Rather than just, hey, we're just doing it and we have to just keep doing it. Honesty mm. in team is so important. Yeah it's, it, yeah, it's very true. And I think that's something that helps you be flexible too. Is we, um, we, judge pe- we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge other people by their actions. And I Ooh. think that we just, we, we, we judge ourselves by our intentions, what we, 
are thinking we're going to do. We judge other people by their actions. And like sometimes people have just had enough and I think that's something with a team too is that people you have to feel free to step off and not do it for a season and that's an honesty thing too. And as someone who might be overseeing a team, that's totally fine. And if Jesus is building the church, he's going to just bring someone along anyway to replace them and people need to be free to be flexible in that too because there are seasons and there is stuff that goes on in people's lives that you don't know about and this could just be the straw on their back. And yeah, I just... Yep, that's, that's all. Great. That's my two bobs worth. It's so vital for us. Yeah, people skills are something you could talk into for, for months and months and months. But at, if we're going to invest in others, if the kingdom's going to advance and God's going to bring in people from different backgrounds and different you know, situations, whatever, we have to, have to, have to develop our people skills mm. and continue to involve people in team. Otherwise, we quickly become a few people doing the ministry and a, uh, everyone else watching. It's so vital for a priesthood of all believers that we keep doing team and we keep in, in, uh, developing our people skills. And I want to end with this point. Now, uh, in these days, most of us live in two worlds. We live in the real world and we live in the digital world. And your people skills are just as important in both worlds. So often <laughs> we meet people, where are you going? I'm finished. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We can come back and pray. Um, so often our people skills, you know, uh, uh, are one way in real life and another way online. You know, yeah, we're really nice, like, you know, and everyone's just nice and lovely in real life. And then online, I'm like, I hate this and I hate that and no of you. And you're just, it has to be consistent across both. Our love for people has to be consistent across both. Our, you know, our message has to be consistent across both. I wonder if you would take some time this week and um, just think about some of the areas that you might need to grow in in dealing with people. And ask the Lord to show you how you can grow, how you can develop people's skills, how you, how you can develop the heart of a team person. I mean, it ties in with this thing of investing in others. Ultimately, team is investing in others. You don't have to be the team leader to invest in others. To be honest, it's, almost, it's more helpful for people who aren't the leader to get people involved in team. Because yeah. if you're the leader, people feel like they're only asking me because they're the leader and they need more people on their team. If you're on a team and you're like, I, just want, I want you to come and be a part of what we're doing, people love it. Yeah. It's amazing. So how do, we, how do we develop team? How do we get people involved? How do we relate to people and how do we grow in these areas? Can we stand together again? Maybe um, we could end with a song. Do you want to say something or can, I, can we pray? I'm going to put my wife on the spot because um, she is good at team. I wonder if you would pray for us and just... Uh, yeah, that mic. I think for, for, for a lot of us, we've seen, we, you know, we, we haven't seen team done well, or we've been hurt by team, or like I said, we, uh, you know, it just seems like it's easier not to do team. Um, but the kingdom is about team. So I wonder if um, we could respond to Jesus this morning. Just bring those things to him. Just lay him, lay him at his feet. Allow him to minister healing to you. Allow him to change your mindset about team, about people, about growth, about um, the kingdom advancing. 
wonder if Elodie, would you pray for us that we would get the heart of team and not just be individualists? Thank you, Lord, that you yourself are team, Father. And we ask that with anything that we're struggling in this, that you will be the one who changes us, that we will be more and more conformed to your image, Father, and that we will see the beauty and the purpose in one another, Lord, that you've given each one of us a gift and something to contribute both inside and outside of this church, Father. And we just pray now, Father, that you will use the gifts within this body to reach your people, Father, that are not yet known by you, Jesus. And we thank you for the people that you're going to bring in here that will need to be discipled by a myriad of different people, Father. And we thank you for the wisdom and the maturity that is already in this room, Father. And we thank you for the new life that you're going to bring in, Lord. Nothing excites us more for what you've put inside us, Lord, than new life, Father. And we just thank you for that, Jesus. Would you help each one of us to see our purpose in your kingdom for new life? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just wonder if we could end with a song. And even as we do that, would you respond to Jesus? Even if it's something from, from before, whether it's something of insecurity or identity, investing in others, the, the heart of team. I just feel like there's a the thread coming through of what God wants to do in you. It's so much bigger than it even is now. And you might think, how, how can it be any faster? How can it be any bigger? It's kingdom. It's about multiplication. So would you respond to God right now, even as we sing, just allow Him to minister to you. Allow Him to enlarge your heart. Allow Him to give you a heart for people again.